Rugger Matrix is brought to you by Strike. Check out their new fleet tracking system. It will save you hundreds of dollars a month. Go to strike.com.au. Proud sponsors of Rugger Matrix International. Today we go one-on-one with our old friend, Ewan McKenzie, Wallabies head coach. And on the eve of taking on the All Blacks in Bledisloe 1, the start of the Rugby Championship. Ewan McKenzie, our special guest. Ewan McKenzie, thanks for your time. No problem, Ewan. Nice to see you again. <laughs> all right. So, a couple of days in the job. Uh, how's things going? Have you met all the players? And what's the rapport been like already? Yeah, I think that's one of the advantages. One of the things we try to do is, with this camp is to get exactly that and meet people. Um, it's so easy to uh, get embroiled in the... I guess all the processes and the technical detail and whatever, but in, in the human part's quite important. So actually getting in front of people, talking to them, oh, I've got a long way to go there, you know, I haven't had the, the micro conversation I'd like to have to get, get to know them beyond rugby, but that'll come uh, in time. Um, but it's been, been good, I've really been really pleased with uh, the way that the, uh, the players and the staff have approached uh, the first couple of days. You're a very pragmatic coach, um, but were you pragmatic about where you would be this time uh, maybe when you're thinking about your career a couple of months ago before the appointment? Did you, in the back of your mind, yeah. doodle down something about the All Blacks? No, I mean, you always, when you when you're going on the coaching pathway, you, you always watch games and you think about things and you might see something very specific, but you jot it down when you end up losing that piece of paper somewhere. So, uh, no, I've, I've had a look at the French series and um, got some ideas. And you do build, you do build thoughts around, particularly around the individual players, over time, so um, when you look at the composition squad, you start to get an idea where the strengths and weaknesses might be straight away. So you do, you do hold a base knowledge on uh, on certain things, but um, yeah, they'll be working in the camp, they'll be trying things, and they'll have new things, and so it's, it's, it's you really don't know what's happened in the past. You don't know what's going to happen in the future, and uh, that's one of the things that we've got up our sleeve. They don't actually know who we're going to pick or how we're going to do it. So um, that's a nice element of surprise for us yeah, next week. When you watch the Brumbies play in the final, um, were you still uh, ticking off players uh, who you thought that uh, may cross the line to get you know, selection down the line? Or had you already made your mind up about some of those performers? Well, we already had the, the squad chosen at that point. Um, so that made it more about reinforcing some of those decisions. But to be honest, those decisions weren't. Mm. You know, they never done on one game. You know, I think the effort against the Bulls was, was outstanding by the Brumbies. So you know, from a character point of view, Across the board, they showed great, great resilience, and so there's there's lots there in terms of the background. So you knew there's something there's something there to work with, and um, there's a whole bunch of them coming in, and they've all been uh, really interesting uh, players. Ones that I don't know so well, but really interesting in their contributions on the training field. Even though they've come back a bit beaten up from from the trip uh, from their from their finals series, um, they're all in good shape mentally, and. Um, yeah, I think that I've been pleasantly surprised with um, yeah, their, their potential. How does a guy who likes Sarah Palin, rides a Harley, reasonably conservative with haircuts, get on with blokes from Gen Y, Quade Cooper, etc.? Oh, I think that's become a... Um, yeah, I've done it different ways, obviously. Yeah, in the old days of social media and whatever, that was one way to try and understand the life that they lead, but you can't actually beat the face-to-face, and um, the more I've invested there, and that's what I've done the last sort of 12... 14 months has just spent more time talking to people as people, not just as footballers. And um, once you understand their total life, uh, and if you take a consistent interest in it, um, they'll 
trust you and you can, if you can help them around the edges on, on anything that's going on, uh, if they trust you in that space, then that's, you've got a chance to, um, to move forward. And if they respect your opinion, then they'll, they'll take on board. And you're not always delivering them good news, but they'll still respect you. And uh, if you can get respect uh, in life and in the workplace, um, you've got a chance to, um, and that's a two-way respect I'm talking about, if you can get that situation, it's quite a powerful uh, opportunity. Bearing in mind this is going to go ahead next Wednesday, uh, Quade's obviously been talked about playing at, at uh, 10. You had him as your star in 2011 and got the brunt of criticism out of the uh, World Cup in 2011. But what is it about Quade? How are you able to um, get the best out of him? Is it because you've shown faith in him and given him the extra responsibility, which maybe others haven't been able to do? Well, I think if, I mean, I, I don't. So that's not a conversation I'd have with him. Obviously, we have a consistent dialogue. Um, I guess if you read what he says, I mean, the things that we have done is um, is trust him with the game plan, and um, yeah, he has some input into that. But trust him with delivering the game plan. So I think he enjoyed that. Were you worried about that? I never worried about it. But yeah. um, honestly, I, uh, no, I never worry about it because yeah. that's that's the way we've done it from day one. That's why we did it at the Reds from day one. So four years of of developing a game plan and, and, and basically entrusting him to call it. By the time you get to the end of the week, he was managing the game plan. And um, when you actually, if you actually went to a training session and you watched and his knowledge and about the detail and the understanding of the positional play and the opportunities around the field, his, his mental capacity to understand and deliver that and, and talk it through with the players. In the end, what you need, you need advocates. He can advocate the reasons why we're going to do things. So he trusted us to come up with a, with a game plan that was going to was going to work on the night and then he took that took the game plan and then made sure we delivered it and I'd say you know 95 percent of the time that's, that's exactly what happened. So why has Curly Beale fallen away in that regard in the last few years in the Wallabies because been 2008 you named as, as fly half for the Waratahs and you went all the way and just fell over at the final when he got injured do you think Australian rugby's wasted their opportunity with um, Curly Beale in the meantime? Well, I think uh, Kirtley, I mean, I've got a lot high, high opinion of, of Kirtley as a player. Um, you know, I've used him in the same role as I used Quade. Well, I use you know, Quade a bit differently. Every player you deal with differently in a different set of circumstances. But clearly he's, he's quite capable of making things happen. So I think that um, I, what I can't do is tell you how they were used. I mean, I have, that's how I use the players and that, that clearly works for some. It uh, doesn't mean that everything you do inspires players. So you've got to try and treat them all a bit differently. So. That's one of the things you learn over time as you, as you spend more time with the players, if you invest in them, you get to know what makes them tick. And if you can, once you know what makes them tick, or if you can play to that uh, in, in the sense of uh, you can get them doing the things that they're good at and doing the things that they, where they can contribute, they all want to help, but they all can help in different ways. So you've got to find a way to, to let them do that. If they're just sitting back waiting to receive information and not contributing to the team, then it's a pretty much a one-way transaction. So you've got to try and get some sort of two-way transaction, but that doesn't mean you're giving him carte blanche to run the, run the show. It's actually about investing in a, in a team outcome. You have to be careful what you say now about selection. I mean, uh, obviously you would have pushed Quade's bar Barrow when you were a Queensland coach, but is he the number one 10 in Australia? Well, I think that that's, you know, people are going to draw... You know, people are going to draw a lot of... I make a lot of assumptions about what I do. They'll, they'll assume that we're going to play like the Reds and they'll assume they're going to pick certain players. Um, but if you know, people look a little bit deeper, they'll realise they haven't coached any team the same way. So, um, and so you start the process again. Um, you know, when I was at the Reds, 
I had a bunch of resources and I coached appropriately and, um, and in, in that process you pick the teams accordingly. Uh, I've got a different set of resources now and a different set of circumstances so I, anyone that knows me well enough will know that I'll go back to the drawing board and have a look so there's no sure, no sure things uh, other than people will get an opportunity to perform and um, but I will definitely have a very competitive training uh, and squad environment and um, yeah, it's the best man wins. Probably Dunes is very critical of uh, Quaid's defensive capabilities and he talked about uh, the different intensity at test match level. It was a pretty big slap around in a public environment. Uh, do you think Quaid's um, defence, obviously you think he's a good player, but um, to have your defence questioned in that way is maybe rubs a lot of people the wrong way. I mean, wh what did you think about that? Yeah, I do, look, I, I don't know the background and what, what the objectives where there was a lot of commentary going on and around that uh, pre the lines and about where Quaid and where he sat. All I know is that Quaid's, you know, from a, from a tackle effectiveness point of view, he's improved every year and it's come a significant distance in the last four years. Um, people worry about where he stands in defence, but again, uh, in the Reds' environment, the circumstances we had, we used him as one of our, it was our best counter-attacking player, so we used him accordingly. So, you know, people make a lot of assumptions about why things happen, but um, I don't worry about Quaid's defence at all. I know and we've seen some he's made some of the best hits this year. He's made try saving tackles in a lot of big games for us. Like he knows he knows what's going on. So um I don't worry about it at all. It's just it's just there's a lot about Quaid that, that people just keep speculating and keep rearing. In the end Quaid's Quaid's newsworthy so um uh will become newsworthy so people talk about him a lot but uh, a lot of the dialogue is is actually outdated and tired actually. So uh I know Quay's moved on. He just he's just concentrating on playing. Uh, I've moved on, and um, so we'll just deal with what we got going forward. Not spend a lot of time worrying about what happened in the World Cup or what happened around the Lions series. He was pretty impressive the other day, talking about how he managed to train by himself to remain focused. Uh, mm. Did you interact much with him over that period? Well, I've interacted with him a lot over the last twelve months. You know, and it's, you know, it's been ups and downs, but I've, I've tried to be pretty consistent. In his life, um, he's had things going on. He's done his boxing. A lot of things going on, but we managed that in the background. To a credit to him, he managed that, and he's actually got a very strong. That the boxing has actually given him a lot of uh, discipline in, in, in around the edges and kept him very busy. He's very conscious about um, being good at that area. He's, most of these elite sportsmen, whatever they decide to do, they want to be the best at it. So he's taken that on uh, with relish, and that's that's provided him uh, another thing to do in his life. Uh, these Did guys, you ever consider stopping him from doing that? Well, it was a concern for me uh, initially because I wasn't involved in the decision around the fact that he was going to box, but it ended up being a part of his contract. And I was worried about the impact there, but to be, to be fair to him, he managed it very well. And it was always in the background and uh, didn't affect anything he was doing football-wise. I mean, it affected a trial game for the Reds. Uh, apart from that, it had no impact on anything else. And in fact, he's kept his boxing training going. and. Uh, uh, in the background and has no impact on the day-to-day -day football, football uh, training. You're pretty quick to move James O'Connor's official position out wide and you know myself and a lot of other people have said it for years that he should have been playing out further. Um, why do you think Robbie was so stubborn over 10 with uh, James O'Connor? Well, you're probably better asking him. I'm, I'm not quite sure. I mean he's, he's clearly a very good player and, uh, and the good players you want him to touch the ball often so Shifting him in closer, um, yeah, there's, there's, there's logic in that. You want good players, but you know, I've always considered him a very good, very good ball carrier, and probably a really good short, short passing. He's very good at putting guys through holes. So, 
I, mean, I think that um, at the moment he's played a lot of test football. I mean, he's played 40 tests at, at a young age. I mean, he's a, he's a guy that could go and play 150 tests without, without, even, uh, without even trying. He's just got to be in the team. Um, he's a very good footballer and, um, you know, what the problem is is other things have got in the way and uh, we need to get him back on and focused and everything he's done this week's been very much around football and just doing the right thing at the right time. So I'm quite pleased with that progress. But uh, in terms of his positional play, that'll be something that, um, you know, it's talked about. I think that he's showed world-class abilities in, in you know, playing wing and fullback. He's done that already. We know he can do that. So... Um, you know, ultimately down the track, you, you might make a very good 12, I think, and they're, they're all things that you know we'll discuss. But I think that they're things that he can explore. You know, we talked to him about that and playing club football. He can try. He played 12 in club football the other day. I got no problem with him uh, experimenting on that. I just don't. You know, I think in test matches uh, we want to get get the best outcome. You know, and we've got we know he's very good in certain things, so we'll, we'll use him in, the, in those capacities. And uh, he can develop his game in other positions in in, in other environments. So the question really is, uh, was that an environment to experiment with James so much? I mean, would you have done it, for example, experiment in the line series that it's such a crucial position? Well, yeah, I'm, I think Australia was... I'm not involved in the, the logic and the decision-making that went into that. I mean, obviously, the line's preparation was a long time. You know, there was camps and a lot of things that led up to that. So I guess it was a fairly measured decision and quite a deliberate decision because it was carried through across three tests, so um, there's, there's always a little bit of uh, fudge and experiment. You always, inevitably you've got to try things because the nature of, of teams, the nature of preparation, the nature of travel means that you know, often you, you need a player that can do something else than just play one position. Mm -hmm. So I think fundamentally in my head there's always, a, in my head you know, players always in the ideal world can play a couple of positions. They play one really well and obviously they can pinch hit in another and that gets you through bench scenarios, World Cups, uh, things where you've got a finite number of players, which is what, that's what Super Rugby's about. You've got a finite number of players, so you've got to adapt. So I think the difference in test level is, it is a representative team. You've got 170 odd or 160 odd players there you can choose from. So you can make, um, you can do things differently. You can go and cherry pick, you can change things week to week. Uh, then it gets down to a question of who's, who's ready. So it's important in all of these preparations to make sure you've got Three or three or four players positioned so that they can come in at short notice. The point of all that is that you can, you know, with a representative team, you can, you're less reliant on having to experiment because you know the five provinces have already are delivering players in, in different positions. So you can actually go and say, well, there's a there's a winger, there's a prop, and uh, you can almost take them straight up. But that doesn't mean you, know, you necessarily agree with all those those five coaches and what they're doing. But you know, my intention is to have pretty close dialogue. I've had a lot of dialogue already with the provincial coaches on a lot of things, so I'll continue that dialogue. You know, it's a continuous process of dialogue. From that you'll understand what they're trying to do with their players, why their players, you know, why, is, why does someone start ahead of someone else. When you understand all that, that's what you need. In the end, the provincial coaches spend a lot of time with those players and they know a lot more about what's going on with them in terms of their personalities and what they contribute and their attitude they bring other than the 80 minutes you see on a TV or when you watch the game live. You see them play, but what are they like as people? So there's a lot to be gained from that process. But in terms of, it, so in terms of experimenting, you'll understand more about the, the potential of players and what other positions they can play. So, yeah, that's a very much a, there's a big due diligence that goes in behind all of that. So ultimately when you pick a team, hopefully you're not actually in a position where you've got to 
experiment to the point where you're trying things that haven't been tried before? I think what we want to know is um, after decades of being in the wilderness at our fly half, which has been a you know, rich history, you know, our last was great one was Stephen Larkin, we really haven't had a 10. We haven't developed a 10 consistently there. Is Quaid the man or is... Uh, well, I, th uh, I think... Is, does this test match tell us who's going to be the, the anointed one? Uh, I think... I think this camp's told me that they've got three, three really good options. I'm really quite pleased with uh, what we've found. And, um, yeah, that probably confirms, you know, I was watching, obviously watching the, the teams through the Super Comp and you know, I thought there were three really good prospects and that, that's proved to be the case. And, and they've all got, they've got things, they've got more of the springs to their bow than we've even seen. So there's, I'm quite excited about that. And obviously we've already talked about Curtly being out, so there's a, there's another guy I know can stand in there as well. So you know that's there's four without, without trying. So what you have to do is then try and think about how you want to play the game and uh, and try and you know, model those guys into being able to deliver a what we call a base game. You've got to have a base. In the end, we'll be trying to get a, a base playing style that um, that Australian rugby players understand. They can come in and deliver the, the core game, and then it just gets down to tactics on the night. And um, yeah, that'll be the interesting part where we develop tactics around the, the teams we're going to play. Is there any legacy from, and when you take over a team, there's obviously a handover, but is there any legacy from Robbie that you've taken, that you've had to yeah, take? Yeah, there's quite a bit, you know. I think the playing, on the playing side of things, nothing's ever completely broken. You, you tweak things, you know. There's, there's a bunch of core things that that um, we will retain. There's no doubt about that. Um, there are other things that, you know, have been in place for five or six years, and, you know, I think there's an opportunity to change some of those things to freshen it up but also it forces the players to have to think you know when things are just the same all the time they don't they just don't think so you actually it's just human nature so you've got to actually change things to make force people to to go back and reconsider and, and, and think and actually digest and learn get back into that learning mode so obviously we're going to change things that we think will make the biggest difference for us but we're not changing everything we're not going to change just for make just for change sake so um that's been the process over the last five weeks to understand where we'll get our biggest bang for our buck We've always been known as a smart team, but recent years we played some pretty darn rugby. Do you feel like um, you want to empower the players to be a bit more in involved in the intelligence side of it, you know, developing the players and, and thinking better on their feet uh, in that environment? Because I think the frustrating thing is maybe you can get towel up by the All Blacks physically, but to be beaten by them in an intellectual way in rugby, which we've always prided ourselves on, wouldn't be acceptable, would it? Well, there's two parts of that. There's there's the I guess the thinking that goes into the game, so where the opportunities are, and um, you know, the coaches definitely have strong ideas about what that is, and that's a that's an applied intelligence over a period of time. We get more time to analyse that. I think the players have got something you can something to contribute there, and, and there's certainly players who who are students of the game have got a strong contribution to make. So they need to be heard for sure. Because, uh, and, and the sum of all that ends up ends up you end up the game plan, and uh, that needs to be owned. Ultimately, by the players, so um, you've got to be able to sell that to them as this is. And so the selling of that, you know, the coach gets to do that, and you sell that as a group. You sell it one on one to players um, so that they understand. Ultimately, if you get a, if you get an outcome, you get a result, and you win. Then the player, the, the trust will come with that that the coaches know what they're doing, and the, and the players' contributions been heard. So all of that that process uh, ends up with a positive outcome. So uh, that's you know that's that's ultimately how you like to run it. But it doesn't need doesn't need to be formalised, it just needs to be a, a process of development and, and it's, a, it's a seven day process that you've got week in, week out where you're trying to get that done. 
Uh, Robbie was reluctant to get involved in a slinging match with opposition coaches, and it's sort of been given uh, uh, the uh, opponents like Steve Hansen a really uh, free run. You know, if he's throwing stuff at you, you're going to stand up for the boys. Stand up for us, you and. Oh, I think people that know me, uh, you know, they'll. I think if people know me over time, they don't mind. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll defend the things that need to be defended. You know, so. Um, yeah, it looks know, like you're looking the, forward to that. I'm not. Uh, <laughs> I'm not. You know, I'm not here to be the punching bag for anyone. So, uh, uh, I'm quite proud of the, the Wallabies and proud of the players and. Um, yeah, I'm proud of our, the prospects that, that we've got going forward. I want our fans to be proud of their team. So, um, you know, the, the, the battles that go on, there'll be, a, there'll be an 80-minute battle, but um, if there are other battles to be fought, well, we need to fight them. So, um, uh, you know, it's, uh, we need to... We need to uh, in the end, it's about... It is a game, um, but, um, you know, we've got to defend our interests and we've got to get our point across. So, um, you know, I look forward to the... I look forward to test week and uh, we'll see what it brings. Does it make it easier because you are an Australian defending Australian team? Oh, I think that the, you know, the, 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 the whole debate about that, I mean, I think sports, you've seen a lot. I've been a foreign coach somewhere else too, you know. I understand how it works and um, I understand the pressures that go with that. It's difficult when you move, and it's the same for players. Players move into different cultures and whatever, but that seems to be more and more a part of sport. But um, I think. What I can offer is that you know uh, there are not many, and there are not many ex-players or ex-wallabies that have got to coach the team. So I'm really proud about that achievement. It's been 30 something years, or 39 years, or something since, since Brock, I think, was the last one. So no, I'm pretty really, really proud about that. But what I can do is I can stand in front of the playing group and say, I know I've worn the jersey, I've stood out there, I've stood in front of the harker, I've held the blazer up, I know what it looks like, uh, I know what it likes to drink out, I know it, I know all of that, and I've done it as a player and as assistant coach. So I know I've been there, so I can. I can actually tell them what it's like. I know what the sacrifice is. I know the sacrifice is going to be needed, so I can do all of that uh, with credibility. So I look forward to that and, and making sure the players understand uh, the enormity of the task, but the, but the enormity of the the, um, the upside, uh, the, the great opportunity that comes with it. It sounds like you want to be that you're liked as well as respected. I mean, is that? Is there a danger there that you um, become too? You want to be too much liked rather than getting that job done? No, I don't think. Uh, I, yeah, easy to be liked, hard to be respected. Mm. You know, I've always said that. You know that. So um, uh, there's not many things I do that um, around being liked. I mean, there's plenty of hard decisions in there, and I learnt that very early in the piece as a head coach. The challenge is to make all the hard decisions when they come along. Um, you can make lots of decisions that uh, are obvious and, and easy. Uh, and, and to get people to like you, but um, the, the detail will come in the hard decisions, and people will work out pretty soon when we start narrowing the squad down that um, there'll be hard decisions in there for sure. Uh, and just to wrap things up, are you going to go out there with a win at all cost defensive plan against these guys? Because uh, you know you've got a, you've appointed a uh, defensive coach out of the structure that was there, but um, uh, are you actually going to look like you know, attacking these guys as well? Uh, are they? Uh, are you able to attack the All Blacks, who everyone believes are just unstoppable? Well, of course you can. Yeah, the rugby rugby affords you many opportunities. Uh, I don't think we're, we're not going to sit there and uh, you know we'll, we'll understand what they do, but we, we'll know what we want to do. So, yeah, it's about generating pressure these games, and um, we've got to find ways to put pressure on them. It's not about us here standing there and trying to defend our line for 80 minutes and hope they don't score too many points. We're not going to better. We're going out there to come second, I can guarantee you that. So um, no, we'll go out there and um, we've got things that we think are strengths of ours and um, we want to be able to showcase that. Ultimately, in any game, you're going to get 
50% of the ball uh, in attack and the rest of the time you're going to defend. So you've got to be able to do both those things really well. And uh, we understand that. That's just part of playing rugby at this level. But um, we're not going out there to come second. Steve Hansen, a couple of lines on him. He's a wily coach. He's obviously taken no, over from Graham Henry. Yeah, I know Steve from way back. I mean, he's been, uh, you know, he's been an assistant coach at that level and I've, I've done the same thing. So we probably had the assistant coach rapport. Now we're, now we're both in different... Uh, different territory so um, we get all the pressures to go with that so uh, he's got a hard job you know he can't afford to lose a game so uh, uh, you know there's a lot of pressure over there on, on the New Zealand uh, on the All Blacks coach so um, he can't afford to lose a game so um, you know, no better way than putting pressure on him is to, is to beat the All Blacks. Well obviously it's going to be exciting and, and, and do you hope this will be a great rivalry between the two of you because I think the interest is not you've got to have that interest off the field don't you as well yeah, as, to maintain that that burning issue during the week. Well, I think there's always been a healthy rivalry between Australians and Kiwis I think that's it's everywhere everywhere you look is that that rivalry exists but yeah, I think that this is a this rivalry is you know, symbolized by a, a bloody big trophy that um, that uh, looks pretty impressive when you hold up in the air so uh, um, it's hard to get, you know, so if you can get it, it's hard to get back too, so um, when you get your hands on it. So you know, I think that there's a, the Lurslow Cup's a really good symbol of, of that rivalry. Yeah, sure, we, we compete against the Kiwis on you know, all different ways and means, but uh, I think that's a very symbolic and, uh, and, and one that's probably the most symbolic, I think, between the two countries. Yeah, there are other sports and that compete, but I think it's the most symbolic one and uh, therefore has the most relevance. So it's, it's the most important one to, uh, to, uh, to get right. And uh, I mean, I know you took over after him, but uh, you know, Robbie, Robbie Deans. I mean, how how was your relationship with him? And and obviously, you'd be wishing him the best now. Yeah, no, we sort of text uh, on the day. Uh, he sent me a congratulatory text. I, I responded. Um, yeah, it's difficult. I understand. We've all been through the different coaching ups and downs, so it's not always it's not always not always pleasant day at the office. Um, it happens, but uh, yeah, he's got an f- outstanding coaching record, and um, you know, he's had, he's had a long stint at the Wallabies and you know, he kept them at the, at the pointy end of the, the IRB rankings which is really important. There's a lot of outstanding wins in there. So you know, I, he'll, he'll obviously dust himself off and, and move on because you know, when you get into this coaching business and you're in it for a while you get stuck in it you know? and uh, I'm sure he'll move on to something from a coaching point of view that will be really interesting. So um, you know, that will happen I've got no doubt but uh, I don't have any dialogue on that front. But in terms of rapport though, we, 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 uh, we work together without any drama the, the whole time, you know, if, if there's ever a request, uh, we, we accommodated. So, you know, that relationship uh, went on and that always happens, you know, and that's what, that's what my job as a provincial coach was to support the Wallabies and that's what I did. You Mackenzie, thanks for your time. Mate, good luck. Uh, we can't wait for you to bring back the Bledders life. Well, hopefully we'll have a conversation in the future where we've done exactly that, but I'm looking forward to the, uh, really looking forward to the opportunity and the challenge of doing it. Thank you.